So here we are, boys and girls, men and women, June 16, 2020, and not a pitch has been thrown when it comes to our baseball that's still on hiatus, whatever you want to call that. The owners and the players on opposite sides, Rob Manfred, the commissioner who represents the owners, somehow stuck in the middle. But there could be some hope. How much hope do we have that we're going to see baseball at a certain point? That may not be a fair question to ask Tom Verduce from Sports Illustrated and Fox Major League Baseball and MLB Network, but we're going to do that on Freddie Fitzsimmons thanks mm-hmm. to the show Pinto Performance Line. Before we get to that unfair question, Tom, where are you on your thoughts on actually having a Major League Baseball season? I still remain optimistic, and one reason why I am, it's certainly not the tenor of negotiations because you're not going to find any optimism <laughs> there. The fact that the downside to this, the so-called nuclear option, that we go a year and a half without baseball is so big that I don't think anybody wants to see that. I think that's what drives a settlement. I do still think that there is an avenue to a settlement here that we can get a season. Of course, it's not going to be 162. It's probably not going to be you know, 92 or 89, the last offer from the players. But I do think there's going to be a season because, again, the downside's too big. Tom, how do you compare the negotiations and work stoppage of 94 to what we're dealing with right now in 2020? Well, I think this is different in a lot of ways because that was so long ago. I think there's so many more options for the sports fan out there that if you get out of the habit of seeing and following baseball, there's very little guarantee that you're going to come back to the sport. And I think there was in 94, 95, you know, there's so many more options now. The NBA, the NFL are even more popular than they were then. And especially now with other other sports finding a way back out of the pandemic, baseball would really look bad if they can't get back on the field. So I don't take it lightly. I don't think baseball should, that baseball is a sport that's so ingrained in American culture they can count on people coming back. I think the road back from this, if there's no games, would be much longer than from 95. Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated and also Fox MLB joining Freddie Cohen and Jonathan Hood on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. I said last night that if I was Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and the players told me over the weekend, you know what, just tell us when and where, I would call their bluff and say, okay, I'm going to do that. What do you think Rob Manfred should do? Well, I know all along he has wanted a settlement. Everybody wants a settlement and not get to the point where the commissioner dictates what the schedule is, when it begins, how many games there are. That's not good for anybody. Of course, the one hammer the players have is the threat of filing a grievance. And listen, I don't know that they have a winnable case, but the fact is they have a case. And that's like putting yourself in the hands of a jury. It's impossible to predict what could happen. But if you're talking about a billion-dollar grievance, that's going to get your attention. And again, I think force a settlement here. So I I don't think it's the right thing for the commissioner to get to a point where he just says, all right, saddle up, guys. We're going to play 48 or 52 games. I think there's room in the middle here. Now, I will tell you, the players, and this is a difference for me from 94 and 95, the players have been really galvanized because the issue is very clear-cut and simple. It's about taking money out of your paycheck, right? Everybody can relate to that. It's not a complicated economic issue. It's not about pensions. It's not about free agent compensation. It's pretty cut and dried. And the players say, we already agreed to a pay cut, being paid on a per-game basis. We're not taking a second pay cut. And so far, i got to tell you, They've been galvanized on that. So I don't think it's winnable for Rob Manford to get anything less than 100%. I think the area is what's the magic number of games at 100% to get an agreement. For me, it's somewhere between 70 and 80 games. And I think that's where it's going to wind up. And it's been painful getting here. Each step of the way has been Hmm. discouraging. But again, I, I think there's room to settle. 
time we've had so many different levels of negotiations from both sides with the players and the owners is was there a deal that you heard initially that seemed like that that was going to be the deal that can cinch this thing between the owners and the players no and i think that's a big part of the problem i i think when the owners started out talking about a revenue sharing system which is the equivalent of a salary cap I mean, that's a complete non-starter. We've known that for years in baseball. That wasn't going anywhere. Now, that wasn't a formal proposal, but they did float that out there. And then they came back with the proposal to have a sliding pay cut for players so that, say, Mike Trout was making as much money as Lance Lynn because Trout was taking a huge cut at the top of the chain. Um, you know, that wasn't going to go over well with the players. So I think we lost some time early on, and the players themselves started out over 100 games and pushing the postseason all the way to really the first week of December. So I think they started from such distant places that there wasn't room to get an agreement. And I'll tell you, the other thing that stands out in terms of not being on the same page, I think the owners have looked at this issue as a one-off problem. How do we get the sport back on the field out of a pandemic? We've never been in this situation before. It's not easy to solve. Players are looking at this as a multi-year problem. In other words, the CBA is up next year, and they haven't been happy that their wages have not been going up as revenues have gone up. So they've seen this as an opportunity to talk about the macroeconomics of the game. So they're kind of speaking different languages here, and that's why they've been so far apart. Great stuff by Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated, also Fox and the Major League Baseball Network with Freddie Coleman and Jonathan Hood on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. Tom, I also does. I also don't think it helps when we hear reports about Major League Baseball owners, some of them, that would be happy and saving money that a season does not happen in 2020. If that is out there, how do you get people back on the same page if you're not just another owner or owners, but Rob Manfred as a commissioner of baseball? Yeah, I agree, Freddie, 100%. That's a a great point. I'm not sure how much truth there is to that, whether this is part of posturing or whether that notion came from a player agent who's actually on the other side of the fence. I'm not sure how he would know, you know, what the deep, dark secrets are of individual owners. But last time I talked to Rob Manford, and he's going to say this, I understand that, he said that his troops have been rallied together. All 30 of them have been following him, and he hasn't had anybody step out of line, but I do agree if there's anybody out there who actually thinks it's better to not play a season than to play, that's a systematic problem in the game. I wouldn't want that person in my market as an owner. Uh, I don't think that's truly the case. I mean, again, maybe that's posturing, but to me it's sheer lunacy to think that you're better off not playing games than playing a short season, and especially the postseason. you got to remember the postseason is really what's driving this for the owners. Players get their money in the regular season. The owners in the postseason, they get 60% of their national TV money from the postseason. So it's not just about, hey, I want to sit out this year. You're talking about a billion-dollar pot of gold in October, or November in this case, strictly from TV money in the postseason. That's nothing to walk away from. Tom, all three of us are following this story closely. We have been through work stoppages and strikes before as journalists, as writers. But I just want you to take the journalism hat off just for a second and talk about what this is doing to you personally. As a baseball fan, someone who's covered this sport for such a long time, how does this make you feel knowing that here's a hole in the sports calendar and baseball is not filling it? Yeah, it's really hit me recently because, listen, I, I miss baseball. I missed when there was no opening day. You know, it's like your body is conditioned to the calendar. You know, you want to be out at the ballpark and get the right. season going. 
you know, but I will tell you that I think since I want to say the last couple of weeks, now it feels like a labor issue and a work stoppage. That's not so much about the pandemic. It was sort of easy to rationalize things going on or not going on in April or May. But now it's become a labor issue. That's bothersome. It's embarrassing to me the way both sides have handled the situation. I think part of the fact is there's no face-to-face meeting going on. And to me, civility really needs personal contact, you know, the real world. Civility goes away when you're talking about a virtual world or connecting electronically, which is what the two sides are doing. I don't like that part of it. So to me, it's really become more bothersome in these last couple of weeks when I realized that we should be on a path. I love the idea of playing on the 4th of July, getting all the teams out there. It's part of, you know, summer tradition for this country. Uh, that now has gone away because not because of the, the COVID-19, but because of labor issues. So it's become much more bothersome to me personally to know that there's no baseball now because these two sides can't work it out. Tom Verducci from SI Fox and Major League Baseball Network and ESPN Radio's Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Tom, I'm glad you mentioned how what has done to you personally because this was the first sport I loved growing up as a kid. I still remember playing catch in the backyard with my dad then watching our New York Mets have another terrible season, but at least we shared in that misery together (laughs) from that standpoint with the New York Mets in the 70s and 80s before they got good. Baseball and any kind of sport is always going to be as great as the young fans that embrace it. With all this going on, how much damage does that do to the future when it comes to fans wanting to wrap their arms around Major League Baseball? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think there is – irreparable harm if in fact there's no season so let's talk about if there is a season i think once baseball's back on the field and again that's what i'm counting on but once it's back on the field then rob manford and tony clark fade away and the narrative changes immediately i love the fact that you're talking about this this short season we are literally starting in a pennant race you know pennant races usually have to develop and you figure out by maybe memorial day you know who's good who's not trade deadline, who's in it, who's not. We're starting out in a wild scramble to the finish. And I think baseball has a way of changing the narrative very quickly because you're talking about 15 games a night, six or seven days a week. Every night there's a story. As I said, the pennant race is going to be just a mad sprint to the finish. So I'm counting on the restorative powers of baseball that once the game is out there again, we're not talking about negotiations. We're not talking about the commissioner or the head of the union. We're talking about Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and Mookie Betts and the best players in the game and, and what surprise team is going to be in the playoffs because I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen. Whoever you thought was good over 162, <laughs> that doesn't apply to 80 games. And anybody could get in and win the World Series, and I'm cool with that. You know, I'll take any kind of baseball. I don't, it's not a quote-unquote illegitimate season to me. It's what we have, and you deal with it. And I think that opens the door for a lot of possibilities. Tom, we just saw this past Sunday the long-gone summer of the documentary of Mark McGuire featuring Sammy Sosa. I think Sosa was in there. We saw a lot of Mark McGuire, but there's a lot of Sammy Sosa. There's some Sammy Sosa in there, but nonetheless, we want to get your thoughts on the, the summer of 98 because Freddie and I the last couple of nights have talked about that documentary was just a celebration of how every market had someone that could hit the baseball and hit it, hit it far. Uh, what do you remember most about 98? Well, it was a fun ride. And listen, I didn't go in there, you know, with with my eyes all, you know, full of stars and not realizing what may have been going on. I remember sitting across from Mark McGuire before the 98 season started. I went out to his home in California to do a story for SI on Mark, and I flat out asked him face-to-face if he used steroids. And, of course, he denied it. But, you know, it was always there in the back of my mind. But what was in front of me 
I mean, it was pure fun. There's no doubt about that. I mean, people, ballparks were opening early, even on the road, not just in St. Louis and Chicago, so that people could watch batting practice. You know, concession workers had to come in and staff the concession stands for batting practice. I mean, it was nightly news back when people watched nightly news, like your 6 o'clock news on the three main networks. It was a nightly update on who hit a home run, who didn't. I mean, it was captivating. It was fun. I thought both guys in the course of it handled themselves really well. Like McGuire was great with the Maris family. Sosa just had a smile on his face all the time. Um, I spent a lot of time around those two dudes in that 98 season, and they were fun to be around. I'm telling you, I'm not divorcing, you know, how they got there, the use of PEDs. Mm -hmm. I've certainly written enough about that. But, man, it was fun to be part of that. So I don't have a problem if anybody wants to look back and and remember the good side of it. You know, it's not the 100% of the story, but it was fun. Where is that in Major League Baseball now? Yeah, it's a great point. I. I'll tell you this. I think Mike Trout gets a bad rap. People say he doesn't do enough. I watch that dude before every game. He makes sure, and literally before every game, he signs for kids, specifically for kids. There's a lot of good. Mookie's great with kids. But I think coming out of this labor situation here is an opportunity for the players to show more of their personality and stuff. You've seen in some of these early telecasts on TV, guys, that uh, enhanced audio is the way to go. Without people in the stands, you're losing some of the flavor. So I want microphones on these players, whether it's during BP or even during games. I want to hear these guys in their own words, their own personalities. We need to get back Amen. to telling the personalities of the players because too often baseball is about their salaries and their, their war and their numbers. We need to know who these dudes are. So the more they can cooperate with showing their personalities – Sign me up, and I think the fans would, too. Yeah, so with Freddie Coleman and Jonathan Hood, we are learning that gospel from Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated, also Fox and Major League Baseball. Never we've been a fan of him for a very long time. It was an absolute treat to talk about him. Even though we don't have baseball, at least we still have Tom. He joined us in Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. Tom, thanks once again, and you take care, my friend. Thanks. Hope to see you at a ballpark soon.